for joining us for Woke Moments, a conversation on issues and hot topics impacting young generations. My name is Janet Kelly, and I am the Executive Director of Sanctuary of Hope, as well as your host. So now let's jump into a moment of awakening. Woke Moments. to Sanctuary of Hope's Woke Moments Facebook Live, where today we're dedicating our show to faith and fostering. So before we begin, all right, show, hello everyone, and welcome to Sanctuary of to um, focus on a couple of things, well, not focus on a couple of things, but to focus on a person, a person, an elder that we've lost within our South Los Angeles community. Um, our dear uh, Larry Aubrey, um, a very fantastic human being, a fantastic, compassionate soul, just an overall good person. I mean, one of the things that I could say that um, I love about Larry is that he always said to keep it authentic, keep it truthful, make sure that you stay focused on the issues, and for us, whether it's the issues of black people, whether it's the issues of foster care, whether it's the issues of homelessness, he was um, a great cheerleader, um, a really great community anchor. And I thank Larry for his support of Sanctuary of Hope. I thank Larry for his support of his community. I even thank him for being very authentic in himself and making us stay true and committed to who we are and what we need to accomplish in order for our communities to thrive and in order for our communities to stay great and for our communities to have the strong emotional well-being that is entitled to us. So this particular podcast, Woke Moments, um, that is centered on faith and fostering we are doing this in memorial to um, Larry Aubrey. And we wanna say thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. And we will never forget you and we miss you. So now that we've had that um, memorial and dedication to Larry and give me a moment cause I'm trying to get myself <laughs> back together because it's such a great loss for our um, community. Um, it's, uh, it's National Foster Care Month. And out of, although this is a month, we know that this is a very important issue um, in our nation and even here locally within Los Angeles County about how we can, one, improve our foster care a safety net, but also how can we also improve foster care to a point where we don't have overrepresentation of some groups um, as opposed to others, as well as how do we ensure too that as young people are coming through the foster care system, they're leaving equipped with a full transition into adulthood. And so those are some of the things that we are going to talk about today. 
but also most importantly is how faith plays a role in that. And we know that faith is really, um, in most instances, on the front lines of foster care because it's either we have our parishioners that are sitting in our pews that are either foster care parents or have some form of connection, or even if they're not foster care parents, they may have children that may have been taken from them, um, from the foster care, uh, in, well, taken from them and placed into the foster care system. Or we may have um, families who are kin, who are taking care of um, youth who are in the foster care system. And then what we have also within our congregations and um, our parishioners are those individuals that we know that can be a great opportunity to provide a home of safety and support for young people in the foster care system. So today we have with us Nancy Harris, who is the executive director of the Foster Family Faith, Faith. Foster Families, right? Faith <laughs> Foster <laughs> Families Network. There we go. I always mess it up. But it's easier to say CFN because that's what we know and, it's, and it rolls off the tongue really well. And we also have um, Grace Weltman with Communities, Communities in Motion who, have, who is the founder of Communities in Motion. And um, I will give you each an opportunity, kind of a minute to share about who you are, well, who you are and the agency you represent. And then we'll get into the deep dive after that with you, Nancy, around what is 3FN, okay? Okay. Great. Who starts? Let's start with Nancy. No, Nancy. let's start with Grace and then we'll do Nancy. Okay, great. Uh, good afternoon, Janet and Nancy and everybody else who is on this important uh, event. And so it's a pleasure to be here Foster Care, National Foster Care Awareness Month. Just wonderful to be able to talk about foster care. A little bit about myself. I am the founder and president of Communities in Motion, which has provi been providing a lot of support in the form of consulting to many organizations um, throughout Southern California, focused on capacity building, civic engagement, and systems design work. So uh, Janet and I started this journey together when I got exposed to homeless youth issues in South Los Angeles, started working on homeless youth issues and saw right away the impact of foster care and not being able to provide the adequate foster care resources and supports for young, particularly African-American and children of color. And you see that as they get older, if we're not giving them the supports that they need, they end up homeless on the street. So one of the projects that I am just really blessed to be part of is I'm currently the lead consultant for the Department of Children and Family Services and the Center for Strategic Partnerships in which we are developing a faith-based engagement strategy for the entire county. So um, it's a pleasure to be here and I'm looking forward to the discussion. Fantastic. All right, Nancy. Hi, thank you once again. And Janet, thank you um, and props to the Sanctuary of Hope and the important, important work that you're doing in the community too. So um, as mentioned, I'm Nancy Harris and I'm the Executive Director of the Faith 
Foster Families Network, also known as 3FN. And we are a um, collaborative of six faith-based organizations and churches that have come together to support the foster care system. Um, I am a native uh, South Los Angeles um, individual, and it's important that the values and the families and the people that are represented in South LA are represented in all facets of our community. Um, I got into this work um, by uh, happenstance. Uh, two years ago, uh, well, three years ago now, in 2017, uh, there was a call from the Board of Supervisors to um, address an emergency of not having enough families to match the kids that were placed out of homes. And so as a result of that call, um, the faith community was an undergird in that uh, event. And as a result, fast forwarding, um, six of us got together, actually five of us got together at that time and said, we have to do something. The faith community has got to step up in, in uh, a big and um, cohesive way to try to address the issues. So fast forward to uh, actually 2019, the Faith Foster Families Network became a project of community partners. And uh, we have been addressing uh, and supporting families and youth and vulnerable families and child welfare workers uh, to date. And we work very closely with Grace uh, and her work too, so. That's fantastic. So Nancy, can you share with the audience, like who are some of the um, faith, faith institutions that are a part of the 3FN network as of right now? Okay, before I state that, I wanna state that faith work in the foster care arena has actually been going on for a while. It's not just since 2017. Faith, uh, um, the partnership between the faith community and the Department of Children and Family Services has been going on for quite some time. Uh, and, you know, timing, timing has a lot to do with things. And so uh, this time has presented us with the opportunity to really do something in a more partnership, in a more collaborative way to really be able to address the issues. And there are many issues. Um, so as, as part of our collaborative, the members in our, the founding members in the collaborative uh, are the Biddy Mason Charitable Foundation, which is a outreach ministry of First AME Church here in LA. Um, the Center of Hope Church in Inglewood, Crossroads United Methodist Church in Compton, Holman Community Development Corporation and Holman Church. Uh, West Angeles, um, West Angeles Community Development Corporation and uh, West Angeles. And I think that's everybody. Oh. I think I named them all. Heaven forbid if I forgot somebody. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, forgot, I'll, I'll get back to it, but I think I got everybody. You can still mention them. Yeah. So, I think what's really important is what you, what you said was that this has been a relationship that has been ongoing. So now what's differently is that I believe the relationship is more kind of like strategically as a faith network. Yes. What are kind of like the goals 
that you're looking to achieve with the 3FN or the kind of get what I'm trying to get at? Yes, yes. So, so one thing I want to also say that this is an inclusive uh, movement too. So it's all faiths that are invited to participate in this. Uh, not just Christians, but all faiths. So um, what we want to do, a couple things. First of all, we want to address, uh, Grace and I were just having this conversation a while ago, and we looked at the numbers and the stats, and foster care in LA County is black and brown. The majority of the children in foster care are black and brown. Um, there is a disproportionate number of African-Americans represented in the foster care system. We are roughly, and I'm giving estimates on these numbers, uh, roughly 7% of the population of LA County. However, we represent 24% of the foster care system. Um, the numbers, uh, uh, the bigger, there are bigger numbers. Latinos represent close to 57%, I believe it is, of the child care system. Uh, but the disproportionality exists with African-Americans. So we want to A, um, address that issue and reduce uh, that number of kids of uh, African-American background being uh, overly represented in the foster care system. We want to provide um, supports to foster families existing foster families, as well as vulnerable families so that they don't lose their kids into the system. So we wanna be there to support um, them also. And uh, we have four, our mission is to provide, sustain a faith collaborative uh, that provides resources, well-being, and safety for all of those impacted by the child welfare system. We do our work in four areas, education and uh, training, uh, human support, tangible resource distribution, and recruitment of new foster families. So we want to make sure um, that in South LA, there's, there's plenty of supports in the foster care arena. It's not like there's not a lot of organizations out there that are providing support. For some reason, stuff does not flow through South LA easily. So we want to be that bridge so that we can make sure that the resources get to our people and that we are strategically located around South LA so that our people can get to us when they're in need. Great, so Grace, um, picking back off of what Nancy said, you're, you talked about kind of like this broader strategizing, right? This broader initiative of bringing faith groups together. So what is that and what does that look like? So as and it's if you look at what Nancy, if you hear what Nancy described, it's basically an expansion of that. We want a countywide framework in which all faiths can come in and participate in helping with our foster care system. As we've been developing the strategy, we've also been identifying what have been the needs and certainly the disproportionality of our youth and that a majority of the youth in the system are African-American and uh, Hispanic. Um, it's something that we need to address. In terms of all faiths, so what we've been doing is identifying who's out there, regardless of your faith background, we know that most people in a faith is committed to serving their community and their members. Uh, last review we did was that there were over 2,700 
churches, temples, mosques, you name it, in Los Angeles County. And the reason why we need diversity is not just, uh, you look at the ethnic background, we also have a large number of LGBTQ plus youth that identify as such. So the more diverse uh, faith-based organizations we do have, the better we can serve the needs that are out there. But I did wanna say in terms of, as we're looking at this framework, there are needs across our county each spa, each service planning area, each DCFS office has its own community. And, uh, but if you see the higher numbers, they are in the region that Nancy is representing. So as we look at this strategy, we can also look at countywide, how can we bring our resources together? Uh, we certainly have individual churches, temples, mosques that are out there, but also in some instances you have uh, churches that are tied to much larger denominations. How can we gain, gauge them and get them involved so that when we're looking at resources, we don't end up in a situation where we're just confined to one space. Maybe we collaborate together and figure out maybe for South LA, let's bring some more faith-based networks to come together and assist what's going on. So we're hoping to see more collaboration um, and we're excited about that. And in our task force, that we're doing um, for the Department of Children and Family Services, we do have quite a bit of diversity in terms of faiths and sizes of faith-based organizations who are committed to, the, to um, addressing the foster care crisis. And if you look at the numbers, um, if I could just share, um, as of last month, we're, we have over 35,500 foster children in Los Angeles County. Wow. Um, and 23% of those children are between the ages of five and nine years old. Wow. If you think about that, uh, we have, yes, it's quite a bit. And this is not counting your hotline calls. This is just who's in the system right now. And in the context of COVID, you're adding more stress to these families that are already stressed out. So this is where the faith-based community and, uh, is relied upon. This is an opportunity for the faith-based community to step up. I myself lead vulnerable children for my church. So what can we do to really provide that support for these families and children? Mm -hmm. I always say, well, I'm a member of West Angeles Church of God in Christ, but I'm also an adopted member of the United Methodist Church. Yes, they are my partner faith family. And so, and because they poured a lot into the work of Sanctuary of Hope and poured a lot, of, lot into the work of bringing advocacy and awareness around foster care issues. Tell me, why do you think that there is kind of like this natural pairing um, of faith and foster care? I mean, what's so natural about it that, um, would encourage one to be a part of kind of like the, the recruitment, the building of a safety net and providing the support to the foster care system. Is that, you want me to take yeah, that? Yeah, start with you, Nancy, and then we'll. Oh, okay. Um, that's a great question. And, you know, it starts back with um, people of faith, all faiths, are called to take care of the most vulnerable. And so there, there is no more vulnerable group of people than children. And so coupled with that, in the Christian faith, um, 
many of you know that are Christians that Jesus, I like to say Jesus was a kid guy. I mean, that was his thing. He was a kid person. And there are numerous passages uh, in the Bible that reference God's love for children and his uh, command for us to take care of not only children, but all other vulnerable people. So it is, um, aside from the fact, you know, in the Christian faith, there is that call. It's a call of all faiths to really take care of children. So it is a natural it's a natural fit. We cannot leave our children uh, unprotected. And one of my favorite quotes here in the last couple of years is one from Nelson Mandela, who says, there is no keener revelation of a society's soul than the way in which, in which they treat their children. And so, you know, we have not, as a society, have not done that well by our children if there are 35,000 children just in LA County. That's not the state. That is LA County that are involved in child welfare in some sort of way. So um, it is a calling to all of us, all of us people of faith to wake up and start figuring out ways in which all of us can get involved. Um, our, our another another uh, saying of mine, which I'll talk about in my woke moments also too, is that everyone can do something. Everyone can do something. Everybody is not cut out to be a parent. We understand that or a foster parent, but there are so many other things that people can do that can support the system. So. And I wanted to add to what Nancy was saying, and those of us that faith um, are called to serve. I know for me personally, being Christian, it's, you know, we'll not be judged by what we have when we go to heaven. It's how we treat the least of these in our society. So that I know drives me. And I think every person of faith has that drive in them. But I think on a more simple level, you think about why that's a natural connection, Janet. When you are struggling in life, most of us will go to our place of faith our church. I know when I have an issue, I may not even tell someone I go to church with, I will right away tell my pastor, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? And I think it's that relationship that is key. I teach Sunday school at my church, and that's an example. You see not only the child, you see the family. And this is where we have a phenomenal opportunity to step in. And we may not, you know, we may not all cut out, we may not be all fit for to be a foster parent or a resource parent or an adoptive parent, but are there other ways that we can step in? Someone needs uh, uh, some diapers, formula, things that they, they're moving into a new place. They lost their job, they need a job referral. The church can wrap their hands around the family because the members will come together because the relationship is there. And I think that's what's, that's what's so important with this faith-based, um, getting our faith-based organizations really involved in this effort because we know they know what's going on with the families and they often need um, understanding of how to connect. How can I help? And I think organizations like Nancy's makes a difference. 3FN makes a difference because they're there to provide a resource to faith-based organizations that uh, need assistance. How do I get involved? How do I help? And this is the beauty of coming together and collaborating. So Nancy, I know we, we've been talking broadly about all of the things 
kind of what 3FN does, but can you kind of talk about some of the more kind of um, focused kind of activities that you do? So I believe that you all do, or you assist with recruitment, uh, you assist with doing some of the outreach. So talk about some of the activities that you all do okay. and how does that translate back to getting our faith communities involved in those activities. Okay, thanks. So one of the things, uh, one of our biggest things is raising awareness. What we found is that our communities, people in general are really uneducated about child welfare and the child welfare system. So part of what, uh, a big part of what we do is raising awareness through events such as uh, Foster, uh, the HBO documentary Foster. We have screened that several times uh, at many of our churches uh, just to give people a baseline education about the uh, foster care system in LA. It's an excellent documentary uh, that uh, talks about um, all the aspects of child welfare in LA County. So we also just this past week, we did uh, a virtual event in partnership with TEDx Crenshaw called Foster Our Future, where, where we brought together former foster youth, uh, foster parents and the philanthropy community to talk about different aspects of foster care on that. So we educate, raise awareness through events um, tangible resource distribution has really jumped to the forefront, especially during this COVID pandemic. There are many families struggling with food insecurities, uh, stuff insecurities. They need uh, diapers, formula, as you alluded to. And so we are doing a lot in terms of tangible resource distribution. Uh, that's really uh, amped up and ramped up significantly during this time. Because uh, you, you figure if a foster parent has several kids and many foster resource families do have several kids, um, they don't have, they can't just easily go to the grocery store now. And with all of the children and, you know, little kids are touching things and they're putting their hands in their mouth. I know. So, you know, the, it's not easy for them to during, especially during this time to get the things they, they need. And then especially with vulnerable families too, families that are on the edge, recently 3FN in partnership with the Department of Children and Family Services Hawthorne Regional Office, we were able to gather some supplies for a family that was actually in a shelter. And we were able to take them um, goods at the shelter. Uh, there was a couple in the, a few of the kids in the family had tested positive for COVID-19. And so we were able to do those types of things too. So that's how we respond in terms of tangible resource distribution. In terms of our human support, support, we, um, uh, for the last, in May, we began our foster family uh, caregiver support uh, groups. And so uh, that's been virtual, uh, where resource families and foster parents, we get together uh, once a week and just have a chat about what's going on and where we uh, can be of support and where we need to refer out for possible supports. And then lastly, um, in terms of recruitment, um, we 
are always looking for people that have the heart and have the calling to care for vulnerable kids. Um, the, the need, we, we featured uh, Mrs. Beavers in our Foster, uh, Foster Our Future event, who is uh, one of the stars, I guess that's right to say, one of the individuals featured in the HBO uh, documentary who has fostered uh, a thousand plus kids. And in her words, you know, again, you have to have that heart, you have to have the love of children uh, to partake in that. So we're always looking for new foster parents, respite care parents, emergency uh, foster parents, all of the above. And there, and of course, if, if and we can talk about this when we go further, but there are other ways that um, individuals can get involved if that line is doesn't speak to your heart. Okay. And so Grace, given what Nancy's talked about as far as those activities, how does that fit into kind of the work that you're currently doing with DCFS around creating those strategies with faith groups? What we're finding um, throughout the county is that there are relationships um, in every office with faith-based organizations, churches, temples, and they have stepped, in, stepped up and provided a lot of what Nancy is, uh, has described. And some of the faith-based organizations are also adopting a unit. So you think about when we say unit, it's really adopting a social worker. Imagine what our social workers are going through right now to just service a family. So we're finding that there are uh, churches uh, stepping up, uh, faith-based organizations. I think it's how do we do it to scale so that we touch everybody and that there is some form of coordination. Um, prime example, I, as, we're, as I'm thinking about the numbers, 35,000 is a lot. 35,500 is probably... Uh, far large, probably the largest, larger than most states since caseloads, um, mm -hmm. is that if we have over 2,700 faith-based organizations in the county, this is very doable. If, and, I, and I think we see that it's daunting, but we have the faith community that could step up. Uh, being creative and thinking through many of our faith-based organizations and churches have small groups, mm -hmm. right? that meet regularly. Why not have small groups adopt a family, adopt a child, not necessarily foster if they're not able to, because I think there's a process for that, um, but providing those support. So, but what we're finding throughout the county is that we have faith-based organizations stepping up. I just think we need more of them. And I also think that we need to target our need. So if we're talking about disproportionality among the African-American youth population. Uh, we've been saying this for how many decades, right, Janet? We talk about this, um, about our African, the, the plight of African-Americans in our country and in our county, that we are still seeing high rates of poverty, disadvantaged youth, every circumstance. I think we need to target the need. And I think the more involved the faith-based community is in this effort and they increase their knowledge, they're going to be willing to share and step up because some faith-based organizations want to do something. They don't necessarily know how or can I go into that community? Well, whatever whatever we can do to really address this, uh, we can do it. But uh, there's great work going on throughout the county. I could go on and on about uh, different regions, but I'll stop. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I'm a strong proponent of always telling everyone you need to activate your faith because you can't talk to me about faith 
unless you are ready to, to activate it, right? And so, you know, it's interesting. We talked about, you know, certainly depending on your denomination, either you have your auxiliaries, you have your mission groups, you have your various ministries, right? So depending on what that looks like, how do we, or what can you share as far as a strategy to get those ministries, those auxiliaries, or what, whatever they're called within their denominations, activated or incorporating kind of what you talked about into like some of their every, everyday faith, faith dealings, right? Their everyday faith dealings, so it becomes something that's so seamless into kind of what they do and how they serve. So, um, so I'll say one of the um, key things that goes back to my comment about raising awareness and educating um, our congregation. So it is, I can speak for what we've done at Holman too. Um, it, it also starts uh, with the pastor too. If you have your lead pastor uh, talking about it, putting it on the uh, congregation's mind and reminding them that this is something we really need to uh, be uh, focused on, uh, that helps. And then having those small groups, because we have, uh, we actually, well, we actually started a foster care ministry specifically at Holman. Uh, but recently we engaged one of our smaller groups, we call them disciple classes. We engaged one of our disciple groups, probably six or seven people in a small group that prepared hygiene packs. I said, I, I, we shared the information that there's always a need for hygiene packs for um, youth uh, oftentimes and sometimes families. And so the small group got together and put together about 15 hygiene packs. So now we have that handy if we should get a call from the department or foster family agency that we have those uh, to distribute. So it, it's, it's really about um, sending out the broader message to the congregation then narrowing it down to either starting a foster care ministry within the church or mobilizing your small groups um, to activate around doing something. You have to start with some kind of action, such as the hygiene packs. You've got to start with some type of action to get the uh, congregation going. I will say also too, um, there are, going back to Grace's point, there are so many uh, faith uh, institutions, churches, denominations that want to do something. We recently um, uh, have done some work with the Care Portal, which is a, a national platform uh, where churches link together to um, satisfy needs and requests that people may have. So we elevated a request that we got as 3FN and in including our 3FN network member churches who stepped up to answer this particular request, we got responses from about seven churches just in and around really probably within about a 10 mile radius of home that stepped up to donate monetarily as well as, I mean, we had to move all the stuff we got donated into our big hall. You guys know what our big hall was, because that's how 
how the church has responded. So it is a movement going on right now. Um, and it's, it's actually a national movement, but there is a movement going on uh, here in Los Angeles. Again, Janet, it goes back to making sure we're laser focused on the population that needs the most attention. Great. When I was, oh. Go ahead, do you wanna weigh in? Yeah, I wanted to weigh in. So as Nancy was talking, it's it's just reminding ourselves as us as advocates who are trained as advocates, it's raising awareness and getting that champion in the church to step up. A lot of times when, or a, a temple, a mosque, a lot of times we just don't have the information. We don't know how great the need is. Every time I say the number, people are surprised, but I'm living in the space right now. So to me, it's like, well, it's, 35,000 children, a lot of people don't know what the need is. And so if they don't know what the need is and they don't have the information, they can't act. But I also know that um, we have to work together to get our leaders in these churches to understand the gravity of the issue. I come from a church that has a, 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 a vulnerable children initiative and has done a lot of work. Saddleback is known to have a vulnerable children ministry. And so our pastor, our senior pastor, has been an advocate for that, that has helped. So we have to work at all levels. And I've seen very small congregations which have mm -hmm. um, a huge effort focused on foster care. So I've been to a large church that didn't have an initiative for foster care and vulnerable children. So I think it's all of us working together but getting champions in each of these faith-based institutions to rise up and say, I wanna take this um, to the next level, because it's usually that champion for change that's going to make that difference. Great. So COVID has literally wiped out literally six months of this year, five months of this year, right? We've been in a COVID pandemic. And so now we have a good seven months, right, left of the 2020 year. And some of us are looking forward to it being or looking forward to passing by us relatively quickly or having a do-over year. But we do know that we can't do do-overs, right? We can't do do-overs. So what do you think are some of the priorities that we should set around foster care for the remaining months of the 2020 year? Or if, there, if we should have any priorities that, that should be set, given that we do have over 35,000 youth in foster care. We do have an issue with um, disproportionate numbers. We do have an issue with our foster care system being predominantly black and brown youth. Um, what, so what should, would, what should we at this moment be setting our priorities on with the foster care system? Uh, Nancy, if you don't mind, I wanted to yes. talk about the data uh, that we did. Our faith-based task force for the county under the Department of Children and Family Services, we did a survey of our faith-based task force members. And so the highest needs that they projected for the next 12 months is uh, focused on um, employment, housing, and access to food. So definitely your basic needs are what people are identifying. And so families are stressed in the financial area and are experiencing hardship. We can only imagine the stress that the children are gonna be going through. And then on top of that, and I think Nancy, this is where she weighs in, you have 
faith-based institutions that are, are also economically challenged. People aren't able to congregate, provide support. How are they gonna keep the lights open? Are they paying rent? And now that maybe tithing is down, we don't know. And these are stressors on our faith-based organizations who we rely on these supports. So I, I hope that provides you with some sense of where people are thinking the need might be. And, and that's excellent, Grace. I, I uh, agree wholeheartedly and I can just speak from what we've seen on the ground. And again, that is um, the uh, income and employment instability, which is leads into all kinds of things, um, such as, unfortunately, which we really can't even get into today, but homelessness that could be as a result of this COVID-19 uh, experience. Um, and the, the calls, again, that we get for uh, tangible resources. That's food uh, and um, goods. That is really been uh, where 3FN has seen, seen the major cry. Uh, one positive thing in all this is that several organizations, the partnerships that have been created during this time uh, are very uh, encouraging. Uh, the LA Regional Food Bank, uh, organizations like Every Table, uh, organizations, um, support organizations like Fuel the, Fear, Fuel the Fearless. These organizations are, have all stepped up to um, provide some supports to not only the faith community, but the community as a whole. Uh, so enabling us to get food and goods out to our, uh, out to our people. Um, the employment issue and the housing issue uh, in, in LA County, they are addressing um, the housing issue um, in a lot of ways with rate, um, rent abatements and things of that nature. Uh, and then the job situation uh, has yet to unfold. So we have to see really where we land once we're quote unquote able to start opening back up uh, fully uh, to see where that employment situation is going to be. But this is going to have a long-term impact and a ripple effect that is going to last uh, far into the future. And um, one of the other things too that we've seen is that the incidences of reporting of child abuse and, and uh, those kinds of things are down, way down. So that has all of us on edge too, because it's not just because COVID arrived that all of that stopped. It's just not the, the uh, opportunities for reporting and eyes are not um, where they were pre-COVID-19. So that's something potentially down the road too. So. Janet, if I could add the um, concern that I have the most is when I think about South Los Angeles and communities like South Los Angeles is that um, with COVID, you have communities really impacted, right? And then during recovery, recovery, the recovery period, certain communities are gonna recover much faster because they have resources, they have maybe some uh, local wealth, whatever you wanna call it, that allows them to recover. 
whereas communities within South Los Angeles, we can name almost every community in South Los Angeles, right? Uh, Nancy, we can name all of them, right? right. Uh, and they, it's gonna take, are the, those communities much longer to recover? And I'm worried that people will forget as other communities are recovering. Um, and you just have to look at the unemployment numbers. What I'm hearing from um, families that are in Head Start, the increase in those that are unemployed right now, uh, who've been furloughed, we are not even thinking about that. Those are our people that are coming from the black and brown communities yep. that we're trying to really address on this, you know, uh, in this. So I, I, I'm very concerned. I've been praying a lot about that, um, but I think it's something we need to take seriously. And that's a that's a good point, um, Grace. If I could just jump in, Janet, real quick, uh, because that's all the more reason why it's a call to action for the faith communities. Um, we know that there are many churches around the Los Angeles area that do are very well resourced and resource rich and looking for things to do, um, looking for ways to serve, I should say, looking for ways to serve. And so it's, it's so important now that we tighten up this support net just for the reasons Grace outlined about, and, and I mentioned too, that this is going to, this is just not going to stop. Uh, families that were on the edge in a good day are even further needing assistance now and will continue to need a lot of support going into the future. All right. Nancy, I think this question is for you that we got from the audience. And so basically, it's um, the question is, I'm starting to hear the term resource parent. How does that differ than a traditional foster parent? So that's the first question. Okay. And then the second question is, are foster youth on probation, are on pr probation placed or handled differently than other foster youth? Meaning that for those who are probation youth and are placed or in placement, are they handled differently? So that's the second question. So the first question again is, how does the term FOF mean resource parent differ from traditional foster parent, or is it one and the same, or did we just change the vernacular? <laughs> it, 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 we just, we changed the vernacular, yes. It is one and the same. Um, resource parent um, is a foster parent. Um, so the, the term resource parent uh, was viewed to, um, seem, to, to more accurately describe uh, what that family or that parent is. So, but yes, it's one and the same. Resource parent is a foster parent. Um, regarding the probation uh, issue, I don't know, Grace, and, and actually, Janet, you may be best to answer that um, with a little more detail. Um, obviously, if a youth is um, impacted and involved in the probation system, yes, that is a unique situation that has its unique set of circumstances. So Janet or Grace, if you want to uh, add to that in any way. Do you wanna weigh in Grace? Um, I'm gonna let you weigh in and then I think, cause I think you might have more information but that there are categories of our youth that are served in a different way. Um, but the are relatively the yeah. same. It's yeah. just the reports are a little bit more different, more, you know, how you receive your reports from probation Exactly. To how you receive your supports through uh, the foster care system, but I mean, they're they're both in the child welfare system, right. uh, per se. So I mean, a lot of the supports I believe are relatively the same. Yeah. 
Let me say this though too. I'm sorry, Grace. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Nancy. I want to say something about probation youth. That is a high need um, uh, area. Um, so foster, finding foster parents um, and foster slash resource parents that have a heart for uh, fostering older, a bit older youth and those that are impacted by the probation system, that is a high need area. So if anyone out there listening. Um, and someone who could provide the mentorship. Yes. For you young people be able to kind of tap into what makes them great and finding out what their potential and promise can be. Um, that's the type of foster parent that we really need for our, our probation youth. Yeah. One who is really gonna offer a home that will give them a second chance opportunity. Right. And I think this is a reminder that um, the data is out there that it's really hard to place our African-American male youth. Yes. Thank right. You. So yeah. as we think about that, um, what we call their, uh, we have kids in dual systems. And then mm -hmm. I think also when they're being served, we have to also think about um, are there mental health components? Yes. Um, that we have to consider. So a lot of that could be stemming from the fact that they were both in foster care and then they were in the juvenile justice system. So all of that coming together. So that has to be taken into consideration um, in, in, in the work in terms of assigning the proper support and case management to support the, the young people that come from both. So, so what's the good news? I mean, what's the good news on a good news day? This Sunday around foster care. So great yeah, yeah i'm gonna start first there there is good news um, <laughs> um the the um the numbers can scare people i i've recently traveled around the country a little bit and and when i give that number of thirty-five thousand, people just they don't believe they don't believe because again some states don't even have that much but the good news is, is that the faith community is coming together. I can uh, say that without, um, without hesitation. The faith community is coming together and we are out there providing supports um, to this uh, community and it's only going to uh, broaden. Um, the other piece of good news is that um, the Department of Ch Children and Family Services is working closely uh, with the community to uh, try to improve numbers and improve service and improve uh, the conditions of our children. And so um, that is good news. We are, we are working very hard to get the message out to everyone, whether you are, uh, you have to be 21 uh, to cons be considered uh, for fostering. We're getting the message down to that population as well as uh, on up. And so um, there is support out there for you. If you are even remotely thinking about it, there is support out there for you. You won't be alone in taking part in this, um, in this world. So do remember that. So that's the good news. And that there's other ways that you can support. You can um, you know, provide hygiene packs. You can become a mentor to a foster youth. You can sign up for to be a court, court 
appointed um, advocate for a foster youth. There are many other ways that you can support our events by volunteering. I mean, there, there are many ways in which people can, in, the faith community and the community as a whole can enter in to being a support to the foster system. I was gonna add, uh, the good news is the uh, faith community is rising. They have, we are in a um, crisis, but people are leaning on their faith more. And also we're seeing more partnerships among faith-based organizations, building networks, uh, collaborating on food pantries together. So we could do this for our, our most vulnerable children. That's fantastic. So we're, we're getting close to wrapping up, but before we do that, Nancy, can you share how um, faith institutions can connect with you and yes. the network? Yes, so um, the first way is going to our website, which is faithfosterfamiliesplural.org uh, and sending a message to us that you are interested in finding out how your church can be activated and begin to start a ministry as a whole. So going to our website or calling us at 323-531-7900. Um, that's our phone number at the office to um, start to talk about how to get engaged. And we have many pastors. One of our uh, 3FM members, the Center of Hope, Pastor Jeremy Dixon and First Lady Adrian, they also have four children <laughs> of their own and they also foster. So Pastor Jeremy can certainly uh, talk to um, anybody in the faith community, churches that are willing, uh, that are uh, interested in becoming part of the network. Great, and Grace, if anyone wanted to reach you or contact you or learn more about the broader initiative, how um, can our audience reach you? Yes, you can reach me via email. And so the public email is connect at communities, C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-I-E-S-motion.com. You can also call me at 310-701-0210. And uh, I will provide that information, Janet, so you could distribute it. But feel free to connect. And if you want to know more about our faith-based task force for the Department of Children and Family Services, we'd love to plug you in through um, those efforts. And Jeff, right. if I could, before we wrap, if I could just say one thing, I, I did remember, I forgot to mention our affiliate partner, uh, yes. the City of Refuge. Yes. <laughs> the City of Refuge is our uh, affiliate uh, member. And um, so I wanted to make sure I included them and give them a shout out. Yes, so, you know, foster care is really important to me for the simple fact that as I was growing up, one of my dearest best friends went through foster care, through the foster care system. And I knew at one point in time when she was about to be separated, I remember bawling my eyes, like literally bawling. And I was like, asking my mom and dad, why can't she stay here, she's my best friend. And, but, also in that, just even on our, my board of directors, I had one of my board members' um, family adopted. And so I have a good kind of network of family, friends um, who are connected to the foster care system. 
And I think what's so important about this conversation, and I think it's one that we need to keep continuing to have and that we're going to circle back on because that number is still sitting in my head, yeah. is that what you said, Nancy, every congregation can do something. Yes. And this, the foster care system is not something that as a person of faith, within our communities of faith, that we can turn our back on, especially during this COVID season. And as Grace had said, some communities are going to bounce back and they're gonna bounce back quickly. And the narrative will be around how those communities bounce back when some communities like ours in South LA are not gonna probably bounce back as fast and we're not going to have all the tangible benefits that other communities have, but what we do know that we have a fallback and the fallback is gonna be our faith institutions. Right. Who have been there each and every time. Right. So normally when we close for our Woke Moments podcast, we ask our, our guests to share a Woke Moment with our audience, which could be a word of wisdom or just something that <laughs> like to, for our audience to think about. And so that's what we're going to do right now as a part of our, our closing of Woke Moments. So Nancy, let's start with you. Okay. So what would your Woke Moment be for our audience? So I have a Woke Moment and a half. <laughs> so, so the first is going to be what we've been talking about throughout the conversation. Everyone can do something Everyone must do something. And the second one, I'm going to go back to not even quoting the Bible. I'm just going to go back to Nelson Mandela's quote. There is no keener revelation than a, of a society's soul than the way it treats its children. It's enough said. Absolutely. And Grace. So my woke moment, uh, Nancy, thank you so much for leading the way in the woke moment. I have them every day, but uh, <laughs> this past, uh, these past two weeks have been really moving for me because we've been doing food distribution in Compton through our Best Start program. And I remember uh, seeing a woman who had two kids in the car and this food that she was getting was helping her survive. I thought about what would happen to her if she didn't get out of her situation. Does she end up homeless? Does she end up with um, her kids taken away from her? And I'm very blessed that I have access to food. And I think it is that moment in which we need to rise as a faith community. Yes. That time is now and COVID is in our faces and is a reminder that we cannot leave people behind. So that's that was my woke moment um, this past week. All right, great. So our viewing audience, I wanna thank you for joining us today for our Facebook Live on faith and fostering. I really hope that you walked away, um, not only not inspired, because it's one thing to be inspired, but it's another thing to be inspired and to do something. And so let's take this opportunity and this time for National Foster Care Month to do something and to do something that reflects your faith, 
reflect our faith. Thank you again for joining us. And we are going to close out this podcast again um, in memory of our, our elder who has transitioned from us, uh, Larry Aubrey. Thank you again. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening to Woke Moment. For more information about our organization, please visit soh.org. Subscribe to us for a woke moment wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore soh underscore la and on Facebook and Instagram at Sanctuary of Hope LA. Why God?